Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Channel 127. Welcome to Progress After Dark. For the next three hours, we're going to be coming at you with facts and fun and outrage. And I'm sure you have some thoughts on what happened in Congress today and this evening. Chris is Chris Hauselt, our executive producer, who runs this show from the noble state of South Carolina, which could use some help in electing better senators. The great Thea Harper is running this thing out of Brooklyn. I come to you from Manhattan. Today is the 90th birthday of Bernie Capel, who played the doctor on the love boat. That's reason enough to celebrate tonight. It's also Marriott Hartley's birthday. She's 83. And Ray Davies of the Kinks. He's 79. And friend of the show, Nils Lofgren, born this date in 1951. It was a pretty packed day in Congress if you were paying attention. If you were paying attention, you've come to the right place. Thank you, as always, to the great Dino Badala for a terrific lead-in. And uh, hello to all of our listeners live. We'd love to hear from you tonight. we got to talk about Durham and Adam Schiff and submarines. We'd love to hear from you. And hello to all the daywalkers, all you noble people who have things to do in the evening. So you listen to Sirius XM On Demand or the John Fugelsang podcast, where you can also review and subscribe. If you, if you want, you can do that and, you know, give us a rating. And uh, everyone who listens to Sirius XM On Demand and the app, hello to you guys. We love to hear from you. We know you're doing other things in the evening, but we love getting your emails and your tweets about the show. We'll read them on the air. And we always invite you to call up some evening if you're free. 866-997-4748. There's a lot to unpack politically. I'm very glad to have three of our favorite regulars with us tonight. Uh, Bob Seska will be here at the bottom of the hour. Well, to talk about <laughs> everything. Uh, Reverend Barry Lynn will be with us in the second hour. Reverend Lynn, of course, is the former executive director for Americans United for the Separation of Church and State. Barry wants to talk a bit tonight. We're going to talk a bit about the Southern Baptist Convention and women pastors. Turns out the Southern Baptists view women pastors the same way the Catholic Church views women priests. No knob, no job. And uh, that's a bit of an insult to Scripture. So we're going to talk a bit about what is going on with the Southern Baptists and how uh, deciding to not treat women like crap is leading to a schism in the faith. And then we'll also talk about the bizarre legal arguments for Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago indictment dismissal. Also, you know who's doing the show later this week? Stuart Copeland of the police. It's very exciting. I hope I don't call him Andy Summers, because that I know it's going to happen. It is 503 days until the 2024 presidential election. It is 249 days until Trump's trial in New York City begins. It is 200 and 
29 days until the Republican Party's Super Tuesday. It is 187 days till Christmas. It is 40 days until Alien Cannon wants to begin Donald Trump's trial. It is 39 days until the month begins where we find out that Trump's indicted in Georgia. And it's nine days until Indiana Jones is released in theaters. And I, I just finished watching Temple of Doom with my child. And he wasn't too traumatized. I skipped over the one funny part. Movie holds up. A lot of problems. But wow, that's Spielberg. Knew what he was doing in the 80s. I think we're all set. Let's do a show. Uh, tonight, Durham's bull. After wasting $6 million in taxpayer money. Investigating the investigation into Russian election interference the entire investigation of John Durham has exploded like Donald Trump's cholesterol level and like Donald Trump's exercise level gone nowhere. Now, you're hearing a lot of headlines this evening about how the House has just voted to censure. Friend of the show, Congressman Adam Schiff, 213 to 209 over his handling and public statements regarding the Trump-Russia investigation and Donald Trump's first impeachment. This vote makes Adam Schiff just the third congressperson this century to face this kind of formal rebuke from the House of Representatives. This is the party of Kevin McCarthy, and Lauren Boebert, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, and Paul Gosar, and Jim Jordan, and Matt Gates and Andy Biggs, and Scott Perry, and George Santos. And they're going after Adam Schiff <laughs> for telling the truth about Donald Trump and Russian collusion. Now, why do they have to do it tonight? Well, you know, again, they're not going to censure Matt Gates for sex trafficking. They're not going to censure Lauren Boebert for giving surveillance tours to January 6th rioters. They're, they're, I mean, they're not going to censure Marjorie Taylor Greene for helping incite the terrorist attack on our Capitol. And they're not going to censure George Santos for lying about everything. They're going to censure Adam Schiff because he exposed Trump's ties to his daddy, Vladimir Putin, and because they need to have those clips on Fox News tonight, they could not have footage of the Democrats beating up John Durham's investigation all day, showing what a sham it was, showing once again what today was, was more proof that, yes, there was collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russian government. And yes, Russia interfered in our election. It was proven again today. It was facts, 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 facts. And right-wing media can't air those on TV at night. So a little censure of Adam Schiff later in the day. I, I, it, it's almost like it's just an elaborate misdirect from Donald Trump's 71 felony counts and closing the coffin lid on the Durham probe. So let's let's have a little funeral. Let's let's just say it. Here lies the John Durham investigation. We are gathered here this evening to lay to rest a political misdirect, a treacherous piece of nasty little theater designed to keep the rubes rubing. Did you watch? I got to say, Democrats, they killed it. This Republican-led sham hearing with John Durham today. Democrats showed up and they brought facts. They had receipts. They played hardball. They did not pull punches. How many more cliches can I give you? John Durham was tapped by former Attorney General Bill Barr four years ago to review potential wrongdoing in the FBI's investigation of the Trump campaign's ties to Russia. You know all about it. He spent 1,097 days to eventually come up with a report. And the result? Uh, one probation plea. Uh, one indictment that went nowhere. And uh, that's it. And, and an angry Matt Gates, who thought he was going to get more under his Russia tree. Barr appointed Durham as a favor to Trump because it was a witch hunt. Trump was saying, Hillary Clinton and Obama spied on me. We have to investigate them. 
So again, the Mueller investigation way back in the day spent 674 days, got 36 indictments with jail time, uh, tons of obstruction of justice, 10 counts of obstruction of justice. The Democrats chose to not hold Donald Trump to account for the Durham report. Not so much. We're going to bring you the highlights. Here is uh, the House Judiciary Committee. New York Congressman Jerry Nadler lamenting the way John Durham handled his investigation, pointing out its failures and its consequences. It may be hard to remember, but at the outset of the Durham investigation, Mr. Durham was a well-respected career prosecutor with a solid reputation. The attorney general is supposed to appoint the special counsel to prevent the appearance of politicization in a criminal investigation. Mr. Durham could well have lived up to that expectation. Instead, what we got was a political exercise that operated with ethical ambiguity and existed to perpetuate Donald Trump's unfounded claims. The investigation failed in its political objectives, but did real damage to a department that is still recovering from the excesses of the Trump administration. And despite Mr. Durham's best efforts, a reckoning is well underway. Do not be misled. Former President Donald Trump is not a victim. He did this to himself. For all of its flaws, the Durham report does not show that anyone else is responsible for the president's legal woes, past, present, or future. Anyone who tells you otherwise is simply making it up. Right. And if you watch the hearings, you could tell Durham knows all that is true. Donald Trump predicted John Durham would uncover the crime of the century inside U.S. law enforcement. He said that he would find all the rot and corruption in the intelligence agencies that investigated his campaign's many links to Russia. Because, again, (laughs) his second campaign manager literally was fired for sharing confidential polling data with Russian spies. Like, like, it's not a debate whether there was collusion. But so far, no one charged by special counsel Durham has gone to jail. Only one government employee pled guilty to criminal offense. In both trials, Durham had... He argued that people deceived FBI agents, but he never once argued in a court that any law enforcement investigators corruptly went after Donald Trump. There was one former FBI lawyer who pled guilty to altering a surveillance warrant. He got one year of probation. That's it. This cost six million dollars to taxpayers. And that's it. Trump's allies on Fox and OAN and Newsmax were saying for years the Durham investigation would show charges against the top Obama intelligence officials. It would validate all the allegations that the Russia investigation was just a political witch hunt. Instead, we got what we already knew. It wasn't a witch hunt. It was a punk ass bitch hunt. Here's Ted Lieu, friend of the show, reminding everyone in the hearing today with Durham of uh, some facts about Russia. Do we have that clip, Chris? Yes, I have it. I have it's the worth tab. The wait. It's no, really good. It's, I know it, and here's why. Durham Did the deep state shut us down? The following simple yes or no questions. Trump's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, was convicted, correct? I'm sorry, could you just repeat yeah, that? Trump's one? former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, was convicted, correct? That's correct. Not Trump's former foreign policy powers. advisor to the campaign, George Papadopoulos, was convicted, correct? That's correct. Trump's former deputy campaign manager, Rick Gates, was convicted, correct? Not in connection with the Russian Trump's. All right. Mr. Durham, (laughs) you can hold yourself out as an objective Department of Justice official or as a partisan hack. And the more that you try to spin the facts and not answer my questions, you sound like the latter. So I'm just going to ask this 
simply, Trump's former national security advisor, Michael Flynn, was convicted, correct? That's correct. Trump's longtime advisor, Roger Stone, was convicted, correct? I'm sorry, missed the last Trump's thing Trump's longtime advisor, Roger Stone, was convicted, correct? Correct. In contrast to multiple Trump associates who were convicted, you brought two cases to jury trial based on this investigation, and you lost both. And so I don't actually know what we're doing here, because the author <laughs> of the Durham report concedes that the FBI had enough information to investigate, and thank goodness the FBI did, because multiple Trump associates who committed crimes were held accountable, and the best way to summarize what happened is thank you to the brave men and women of the FBI for doing their jobs. I yield back. It was a complete bust, the whole investigation. It was a lesson in what happens when the U.S. Department of Justice gets weaponized to do a president's personal and political bidding. That's all it is. And today was valuable. We were here for a reason. It was closing the book on this cautionary tale that will be held up to future generations of prosecutors as what you shouldn't do. Dude's grand jury's expired. Years of this. All he got was one guilty plea from a low-level FBI agent who didn't serve a day in prison. Why? Because the Russia investigation was not a hoax. Here is friend of the show himself, Adam Schiff, a few hours before he was censured by a Republican Party that wanted to change the headlines from this hearing. Why? Because letting the truth about Russia and Trump get to the masses won't help these Republicans. And Donald Trump forced them to censure Adam Schiff. He said to the 20 Republicans who opposed it that they all had to be primaried. (laughs) It's a mob boss pushing these terrified little quizlings around. Here's Schiff handling Durham on Russia and handling Durham on facts. Yeah, I mean, I think if you read what's in the cable and what's in the report as to what the uh, diplomats uh, reported was there was a suggestion of a suggestion that the Russians could help. They had damaging information as to Mrs. Clinton. Um, and By releasing it anonymously, release. right? And that's exactly what happened, isn't it? I, I, don't, I don't. You really don't know? I'm, I'm not sure oh. exactly. When you say exactly what happened. Well, the Russians released that... stolen emails mm-hmm. through oh. cutouts, did they not? There were emails. So it's a very simple question. Did they release information, leaks. stolen information through cutouts, yes or no? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. That you really what, don't what, know the answer to that? The answer is yes, they did. Through DC leaks. Well, your mind to, is yes. Well, <laughs> Mueller's answer was yes. More important than mine, Mueller's answer was yes. Now, that information, of course, was helpful to the Trump campaign, wasn't it? I don't, I don't think there's any question, but that the Russians intruded into, um, well, I just wanted hacked to... into the systems, they released information. And that was helpful to the Trump campaign, right? And the, and the conclusion in the ICA and in the uh, Mueller investigation was that the Russians intended to assist. Can you answer Trump? my question, Mr. Durham? That was helpful to the Trump campaign, right? Yeah, that's... And, and Trump made are. use of that... As I said, didn't he, by touting those stolen documents on the campaign trail over 100 times? I, I, I said, I don't really read the newspapers or listen to the news. I don't well, really, you were, that you were, reliable, you totally, so I don't know that. Mr. Durham, were you totally oblivious to Donald Trump's use of the stolen emails on the campaign trail more than 100 times? Did I'm that escape that. your attention? I am not aware of that. Okay, it got better. It really did get better after that, because... This investigation is going to go down as just a shameful abuse of prosecutorial power in service of political vengeance. That's all it was. He was doing Donald Trump's bidding. 
But it was like a Xerox of a Xerox. Donald Trump told Barr to have this done. Barr told Durham to do it. Durham's heart really wasn't in it. And this whole loss, and that's what it is. And it's a massive disappointment for Trump. It's a massive disappointment for the conservative news outlets that have been covering this nonstop. They will drop it. You will not hear it said again. It'll be like Benghazi the day after Donald Trump was sworn into power. Here is Congressman Hank Johnson on the absolute nothingness of Durham's probe. And the other two men you prosecuted went to trial on the charges, uh, charging they, they were accused of lying to the FBI, and both were slam dunk acquitted. Isn't that correct? They were acquitted. And none of the individuals you prosecuted were ever charged with being part of a hoax or a fraud or a witch hunt or a politically motivated deep state conspiracy against Donald Trump. Isn't that correct? I would not say that that's accurate. You mean you did charge somebody with being a part <laughs> of a hoax? We charged Mr. Sussman with having knowingly provided false information to the FBI regarding Alpha Bank. But he, lying was, he was acquitted, though, right? After well, that wasn't your question. He, well, he was, <laughs> Mr. Sussman was acquitted after you charged him, correct? Grand jury found He was probably. found innocent by a jury of, uh, by a unanimous jury of 12. That's not true. Well. What's true is the grand jury found probable cause to indict uh, Mr. Uh, Sussman. A jury of a his peers acquitted him, though, correct? And a trial jury. You're not, you're not going to disagree on that, are you, uh, Mr. Durham? I'm going to try to answer your question as well. Well, let me ask you this. So Igor Dushenko, he's the private researcher. He was the primary source behind the famous Steele dossier alleging all the ties between the Trump campaign in 2016 and the Russians. He was acquitted of charges of lying to the FBI. Durham lost both cases that went to trial during his four-year investigation. It was John Durham defending himself and his staff for their role in his special counsel because, you know, he has to. I want to emphasize in the strongest terms possible that my colleagues and I carried out our work in good faith, with integrity and in the spirit of following the facts wherever they lead without fear or favor. At no time and in no sense did we act with a purpose to further partisan or political ends to the extent that somebody suggests otherwise that's simply untrue and offensive. I mean, you've got to see Matt Gates flipping out on Durham. It's a disaster for the Republican Party. Their entire fake narrative has been crushed by this. And, you know, Mueller's report said that his office could not find a conspiracy between Russia and the Trump campaign. But Mueller's report noted way back in the day, quote, a statement that the investigation did not establish particular facts does not mean there was no evidence of those facts. And that's true. And that was what led to the justification for the entire Durham report. But Mueller mapped out many links between the Kremlin and Trump campaign officials and campaign officials who were so eager to benefit from Russia's help in 2016. And also, again, 10 counts of obstruction of justice committed by Donald Trump that Democrats chose to do nothing with. Durham's review of the FBI investigation cost more than six million. The Mueller investigation paid for itself. Did you know that America made a profit on the Mueller investigation because there was so much asset forfeiture from criminals like Paul Manafort that the investigation was paid for. But now the Durham probe will fly off to join Hillary's emails and Benghazi and Obama's birth certificate on the island of misfit smears. Durham's report came out a few months ago and it accused the FBI of a double standard. 
for aggressively going after Trump and, and, and the Kremlin while soft peddling similar claims about influence over Hillary Clinton. And we waited and waited. 306 page report came out slamming the, the, the Trump Russia probe is flawed. Donald Trump said this would reveal the crime of the century. And it didn't. Millions of dollars in multiple years. And he found some Republican crimes, one dude on probation. But at the end of the day, all they've got is butter emails. <laughs> they didn't provide anything, anywhere at any time in court. John Durham was a plant. Sure, I'm sure he worked with incredible integrity, but he was a plant. He knows it. He was put in as a ringer in the special counsel to investigate a legitimate investigation, to try to help a corrupt man walk away by smearing the cops. Bill Maher tried to get him to release an interim report before the 2020 election, in case you've been swayed by Bill Barr's recent appearances and thinking he's become a good guy. So last January, the Times published a huge portrait of this investigation. And the Times found that the Durham inquiry became roiled by internal dissent and ethical disputes as it went unsuccessfully down one path after another. They kept trying to find a way that the FBI or the DOJ lied about Donald Trump. They kept trying to find a way that Donald Trump had been smeared and that these accusations levied against him were deliberate lies. No one's going to jail. Every case that went to trial failed miserably. Over six million to get a low-level FBI lawyer fired. <laughs> it's one for three one for three he got one conviction for a doctored email which led to probation and two prosecutions acquitted one for that that's good in baseball that's about it now i give you eric swalwell putting a cherry on top of this sunday here's swalwell jumping in blocked from doing it that's correct that's correct i also want to compare you to the last major special counsel investigation that we have. You agree special counsel Mueller charged dozens of individuals and you indicted three. Is that correct? Indicted two and another a third pleaded guilty. Right. And special counsel Mueller had dozens of convictions, some at trial, but no defendant was outright acquitted. Is that right in the Mueller investigation? Outright acquitted. Across the board, every charge acquitted. Right. I, I don't believe there are any acquittals. I'm not sure there were uh, dozens of convictions. There were dozens of, uh, there, yeah, more than a dozen people who were indicted. You were wide blocked from doing it. That's correct? That's correct. Okay. So, Don Durham, <laughs> the special counsel examining the origins of Trump's campaign ties to Russia, delivered his report. And last September, the New York Times said, he appears to be winding down his inquiry without anything close to the results that Donald Trump was seeking. That's wrong, because Durham did get paid taxpayer dollars for doing nothing and for pimping a lie and for trying to sow more distrust in law enforcement. And that was always what Donald Trump was seeking. Durham was an elaborate misdirect from Trump's 10 documented obstruction of justice revealed in part two of the Mueller report. Tonight's censure of Adam Schiff was an elaborate misdirect from Durham's testimony today and Trump's 71 felony counts. And again, like Benghazi, they're not even going to use it anymore because they don't need it. It was going so badly today that Fox News cut away from the hearing. It's a disaster for the GOP. Their entire narrative was destroyed. So let's thank Jim Jordan, because, again, it was his idea to have this John Durham hearing. And you know what? It was more entertaining than a third impeachment. Thanks, Jim. I'm glad this one time you didn't look the other way.
We want to know what you guys think. We're at 866-997-4748-866-997. Grit, let me get a quick call before we actually get to our break. Uh, Frank in Georgia, thanks for calling. Hey, John, thanks for taking Hi. my call. How are you doing? Thank you, sir. I'm very good, sir. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. It's kind of kind of bummed to see that, uh, you know, Trump still continues to lie and, you know, continues to say he won the election and uh, continues to say that things were stolen, you know. But, yeah. you know, if, if he won the election, then why, was he, why would he need the 11,780 votes from, you know, Georgia? Exactly. Don't don't let Trump get you down. That's gaslighting. If you let Donald Trump's lies depress you, the gaslighting works. Right. But what I would like to see is I would like to see some uh, strategery from the the Democratic side. Um, Why can't we, uh, you know, try to appoint, I don't know if we could get through, but try to appoint a couple more Supreme Court judges. There's nothing in the Constitution. That's what I'd like to see. That is correct. That is correct. uh, I'd like to see it. You see see what Alito came out about Alito today. Um, I don't know if it was new news to you, but it was new news to me. Um, Yeah. And again, just like Clarence Thomas, we now know that he was taking all taking gifts from a billionaire who had cases before him. This billionaire was able to hang on to billions and increase his fortune because of the rulings that Alito helped hand down. And we have no infrastructure in place to hold corrupt Supreme Court justices accountable. That's right, because we depended on a system of checks and balances, but that had to that had to do with men that had honor, and we yes. had men that had some honor back then. They would actually challenge each other to duels over stuff like this. Back You're right. Then. You're right. We don't have that more, <laughs> and I just I just uh, I thank you, and I thank Stephanie Miller and uh, all the other folks, uh, Bob Seska, who's coming up for uh, come- you know trying to trying to make things. Uh, a little more bearable. For well, I, th- I thank you. I listen. I thank. I thank you. It's the the same people that you know. The listeners of this channel that I get to talk to that keep me inspired. And and again, you know, Franklin Roosevelt threatened to put more judges on the Supreme Court, and the judges that were blocking the New Deal backed down. He only made the threat. That's all we want Biden to do. Just just scare John Roberts a little bit. <laughs> it could bring some ethics investigations. Hey, thank you so much for the call, Frank. I appreciate it. But as you mentioned, Mister Seska's waiting in the wings. Quick break. We'll be right back with your calls and with. Bob, this is Progress After Dark. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. .edu slash podcast. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. 
I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on. Because you know I love it when you do. And welcome back. I'm so excited because what a week of political malfeasance, double talk and jive and rank fuckery. And it's only Wednesday and we had Monday off. I mean, you got the Durham hearings today, which is a bit of a funeral. You have Trump's Brett Baer interview, which is a bit of a funeral pyre. And then, of course, uh, the Hunter Biden deal. I mean, think about it. The Republican lie factory, the, the disinformation network, lost two of their top long running reality shows in two days. Hunter Biden and the Durham probe. I need some Bob Seska in my life. Host of the Bob Seska show. One of the best columnists, one of the best political pundits out there. You might know Bob from his work in Salon. You might know Bob from his work on the Stephanie Miller show. We are thrilled to have him while we can before he goes away for the whole summer. Mr. Bob Seska, welcome back. <laughs> God, I only wish I was going away for the whole summer. I'm going uh, away you're... for a couple of weeks at the beginning of July, but we, no, we will miss it's you. not the whole summer. We will miss you. Um, before I go anywhere, before I dive oh, in nice. anywhere Thank into you. this. Oh, stop mm-hmm. it. Stop it. Stop it. it. Listen, I'm so happy you're here, but uh, Marvel um, Secret Invasion. I'm, I'm hearing troubling things. I haven't watched the premiere yet. You're the guy I turn to for all things comic book. Yeah. I, and you know what? I, I'm not up to speed on those things, but I, I can oh. tell you this. There is, I think, a thing happening with these comic book movies. And I think the storytelling is getting a little bit formulaic. And I think that may be an I, I issue. I can fix that. I can fix that. How's you know what that? they should do? You know how you make What's comic that? book movies fresh all over again? If comic yeah. book movies, if you if you try this, if if comic book movies start having this element about parallel universes, Right. Maybe even Uh a multiverse. If a few comic book movies would experiment with just saying, hey, what if there are multiple heroes in multiple universes and they interact? It's a crazy concept. But if they just tried it once, it it might be a great way to keep people (laughs) from seeing these movies more than than once. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to be smirch parallel universes. I love the two Spider-Verse films. I Mm -hmm. I love everything, Mm -hmm. everywhere, all at once. But like how how much longer are comic book movies going to be about Batman meeting other Batmans? Where Flash is meeting other Flashes, or Doctor Strange meeting other Doctor Stranges. That's it. That's it. I think that's part of the problem. And um, that was one of those things that actually started as a DC thing. The multiverse idea was presented back when Flash was in the Flash was in development hell. Right. Infinite Earths. Yeah, and, and Spider Man No Way Home, and uh, into the Spider Verse, and across the Spider Verse. Those were produced and released all before The Flash ever really saw uh, theater. So that was, I think, a problem for that movie. But beyond the multiverse story trope here that we're seeing a lot of right now, um, it's it's, you you can kind of hit all the beats. You can kind of predict exactly what's going to happen in each one of these movies. There are a lot of tropes that are getting repeated across them. And I think... What we need at this point, if comic book movies are to continue, are studio executives who will allow uh, auteurs or creatives to uh, do something a little bit different with the stories. Maybe make the stories a little less intergalactic or a little less planet destroying, like lower the stakes down to street (laughs) level a little bit more. Maybe that'll help. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like comedy. It's like, okay, comics can still do jokes about airports, 
or dogs and cats <laughs> or leaving yeah. the seat up. Just what are you going to bring to the genre? How are you going to make it fresh? You know, I, I thought I was burned out on parallel universes. I saw Across the Spider-Verse. It's probably the best movie I've seen all year. And there's like 400 yeah. Spider-Mans in it. But it's like if you can have if you have a good story to tell and the right filmmakers, then, yeah, you can still do something wonderful, which leads me to the Durham probe when we talk about <laughs> nice. not hiring the best storytellers to bring new life into a fading franchise. We have to talk about the Durham report today. Uh, I think today it finally got put to bed. I think the entire Donald Trump putting law enforcement on trial mechanism has finally been put to bed. Um, mm -hmm. Joe Biden allowed this to go on just like Joe Biden allowed the investigation of his son to go on for two and a half years. I just want to play one clip and get your comment. This is our second clip of Eric Swalwell. Here's, here's more of Eric Swalwell, um, pretty much laying out the facts with John Durham. President Biden, through the attorney general, could have had you removed, fired. Is that right? Um, I'm sure he could have. And you stayed on? I uh, completed my term as special counsel. Was there anyone you wanted to indict that you were prohibited from indicting by Attorney General Garland? No. So if you wanted to, you could have indicted Hillary Clinton, but you never mm -hmm. asked. Is that right? If I had the evidence, um, uh, uh, yeah, he could have, for sure. If you wanted to indict President Biden, you could have asked, right? Yeah, that was not part of our mission. We weren't uh, really looking at that. But If you could have indicted Director Comey, you could have asked. Is that right? And you didn't. Yeah, the Attorney General, uh, Attorney General uh, Garland had never asked me not to indict somebody. Great. So I just want to make it clear to my colleagues, you had all the power in the world to indict anyone that you had evidence to indict, and you were never blocked from doing it. That's correct? That's correct. Quite a day, Bob. I mean, first yeah. off, admitting that none of the wow. Democrats did anything Trump accused them of. And then he, they, they pretty much got John Durham to admit that, yeah, Russia helped Trump, which we've already known for years this mm -hmm. is why they had to have that censure vote of Adam Schiff tonight, wasn't it? They had to shift the narrative before 8 p.m. on Fox. Yeah, because Adam Schiff was giving them hell today, or giving uh, John Durham hell today, and rightfully so, because this whole story is getting flushed down the memory hole, John. I mean, it, between the Republicans, of course, and that's predictable that they're going to try to uh, eliminate this from the national memory, but also it's certain members of the uh traditional news media that are kind of playing the game that Bill Barr and Donald Trump wanted them to play, which is to say, ah, well, it didn't turn out that there was any collusion. So there's nothing here to talk about. Let's move exactly. on. And, uh, but there, first of all, there was collusion as Adam Schiff outlined for John Durham today between Paul Manafort, who was Donald Trump's campaign chairman. It wasn't just some coffee That's boy. Right. This is the top guy in the Donald Trump campaign meeting with Konstantin Kalimnik and handing off uh, internal polling data. Konstantin Kalimnik uh, linked with Russian intelligence, linked with Oleg Deripaska, who's linked with Vladimir Putin. This was all going on, and it's proven. In fact, the Republic, the then Republican-led Senate Intelligence Committee confirmed all of these things. Mm -hmm. And because of that Bill Barr letter that effectively cock-blocked the Mueller report about a month <laughs> before the Mueller report even dropped, kind of eliminated all of the, uh, what's this report going to be all about? Kind of preempted all of that. Between that and maybe Robert Mueller's kind of lackluster testimony in Congress and, mm -hmm. and then the Bill Barr uh, investigation and report, this has all managed to 
you know, do the aforementioned flushing down the memory hole of this entire story when we know so many things are true. Internet Internet Research Agency in St. Petersburg was tasked with the, the massive disinformation campaign aimed at electing Donald Trump, damaging Hillary Clinton, electing Donald Trump. There That's was... Right. The Russian intelligence, the Russian military intelligence agency called the GRU, they were tasked with hacking the DNC and then throwing these emails out, the emails that they got through those uh, hacks through Guccifer 2.0 and DC leaks, uh, WikiLeaks got into the, the game there as well. That's right. And so and, and I'm just skimming the surface of everything that happened here. We're talking about 34 different individuals and then the Internet Re Research Agency on top of that were all uh, indicted and prosecuted by Robert Mueller. We forget all of these things. I mean, we barely remember what happened during COVID, the fact that Donald Trump was responsible for the deaths of hundreds of thousands of Americans. <laughs> yeah. So uh, naturally, the Trump-Russia thing, if that doesn't resonate, the Trump-Russia thing isn't going to resonate either. But I think, John, that we have a responsibility to never forget what happened with 2016, mainly because they're getting ready to do it again with the help of yeah. Elon Musk and Twitter. So this is something that needs to be front of mind. But we have to also stress, though, you know, the, the Durham investigation, Bill Barr, they found no crimes. They found no malfeasance, no ethical violations. The whole yeah. thing was just to obstruct and deflect and misdirect from the Mueller report. And yeah. I think, if anything, it today proved that the Russia probe was really important, that it's right that we yes. had this the Russia probe and that Trump obstructed it. Yeah, Mueller blinked. Mueller never followed the money. Barr completely put his thumb on the scale any way he could. And the true corruption of Trump's ties with Russia has successfully been kept from public view. It's still yeah. never accurately been revealed. Exactly right. There there hasn't been that level of uh, criminal investigation into this process. Senate Intelligence Committee, we have to I always go back to that because, as I said before, it was by and large led by Republicans. Richard Burr was the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. And among many other things, this guy at one point confirmed, you know, that they were able to uh, recreate the intelligence that was gathered in the Steele dossier up to a certain point. I mean, they were only able to get so far without being able to talk to Christopher Steele himself. So that just the tip of the iceberg in terms of what yeah. their findings were. And so this is something that desperately needs to be reopened. But <laughs> looking yeah. at uh, this story in the Washington Post this week about Merrick Garland, it's doubtful that's ever going to happen, at least under right. this particular administration. Uh, I completely, completely agree. Um, I, I do want to talk briefly about Donald Trump's wonderful interview on Brett Baer. You know, Bob, I'm, I'm not that great yeah. guy. I, I always say if I'm wrong about someone, I'll, I'll own up to it. And I'm happy for any chance I can have to praise anyone on Fox News because uh, they never give me one. For years, I have said when I see Brett Baer, I just think somewhere a Bob's has lost its big boy statue. <laughs> but wow. Did Brett Baer show up this week? And the best part yeah. of Brett Baer's interview with Trump has been that, you know, they keep releasing more clips from it. <laughs> so mm -hmm. yeah. here's a little bit that was released today from part two. Uh, this one's a doozy. Chris? In 2016, you said that. I'm going to surround myself with only the best and most serious people. Well, I did do that. This and we time, had tremendous look. We had the best economy we've ever had. This the world time, has ever seen. Your vice president, Mike Pence, is running against you. Yeah. Your ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley. 
she's running against you. Your former Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, said he's not supporting you. You mentioned National Security Advisor John Bolton. He's not supporting you either. You mentioned Attorney General Bill Barr, uh, says you shouldn't be president again, uh, calls you the consummate narcissist and troubled man. You recently called and uh, Barr a, a gutless pig. Uh, your second defense secretary is not supporting you, called you irresponsible. This week, you and your White House called your White House Chief of Staff, John Kelly, weak and ineffective and born with a very small brain. You called your acting White House Chief of Staff, Mick Mulvaney, a born loser. You called your first Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, dumb as a rock. And your first Defense Secretary, James Mattis, the world's most overrated general. You called your White House Press Secretary, Kayla Kennedy, milquetoast. And multiple times you've referred to your Transportation Secretary, Elaine Chao, as Mitch McConnell's China-loving wife. So. Why did you hire all of them in the first place? Because I hired <laughs> 10 to 1 that were fantastic. We had a great economy. We had phenomenal people in charge of the economy. We had phenomenal people in the military. I'm not a fan of Millie, and I'm not a fan of certain of the television people. But I knocked out Everyone ISIS. Everyone who I worked defeated with ISIS. They them. said, yeah. Mattis, it would take three years, and I don't think we can okay, do you get the idea, right? Thank you. Of, I think that's, yeah. that's, that's enough of that. That's enough of that. I mean, how damaging... <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, lots of people say, great, Amorosa, well, no, not her. Uh, Ivanka, not her. But, you know, tons of people in the administration thought he did a great job. They're just not high level, and no one interviews them ever. Um, how bad was <laughs> right. this interview for him this week, Bob? Because I've, I've, it seems like it's a lot of Republicans took note. It feels like Donald Trump is losing the initiative, doesn't it? It feels like news events are controlling him rather than the other way around. And we've seen him doing it the other way around for a long, long time, where Donald Trump steers the entire news cycle for weeks and weeks and weeks. But now it's the reverse of that. Now you're starting to see uh, Trump insiders like Bill Barr going after Trump for these indictments with regard to the Mar-a-Lago documents. You've got this Brett Baer interview on Fox News Channel, which couldn't have gone worse for Donald Trump. I, I particularly love I'm glad you played that clip just now because that's my favorite clip of all of them. Because he yeah. does something, I love that technique where you just, you just stomp them, one and you don't let up one after another, one after another. And yeah. uh, I, I don't know if you know Cliff Schechter, but Cliff Schechter yeah. did did something like that to one of these one of Trump's legal stooges, Cleta Mitchell, way back in mm -hmm. 2006 on MSNBC. Cliff Schechter went off on this list of all the Republican scandals and just hammered Cleta Mitchell like that, and it was. God, it must have been three dozen of them. And he's just rattling them right off the top of his head. He said, you want me to take up this whole show? And that's exactly what Brett Baer did to Donald Trump. It just unrelenting. There was no way. The only my only thing, my only note for Fox News is I wish they had stayed on Donald Trump's face while Brett Baer was doing that <laughs> rather than cutting away at B-roll of the officials that Brett Baer was talking about. Because I, you know, I would inject that into my veins if I could see Donald Trump's face as he's hearing that list. God, that would have been yes. Perfect. Bob, um, any thoughts on the late lamented uh, uh, Hunter Biden scandal as well? Uh, obviously, Hunter Biden this week uh, copped a plea, cooperated, did what Donald Trump has found so hard to do and will most likely avoid jail time for offenses that most people would never. Yeah, I happen to think that Merrick Garland was unduly hard on Hunter Biden to avoid the mm -hmm. appearance of impropriety. What are your thoughts on uh, the GOP losing two of their favorite reality series this week? <laughs> 
Well, they're freaking out anyway. I mean, yeah, uh, Hunter Biden is, you know, uh, created this uh, plea deal, entered this plea deal, and it's fine um, as far as punishments that maybe don't necessarily punishment crimes that don't necessarily get punished is what I'm trying to say here. And the, the great irony of the Republican freak out about this plea deal is the fact that at one point last fall, Christopher Keiss, who is one of Donald Trump's attorneys, just before he left the Mar-a-Lago documents case, had presented to Donald Trump the notion of going to DOJ and trying to reach a settlement in the right. Mar-a-Lago documents thing. Yeah, smart. Donald Trump didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah, because Donald Trump's listening to guys like Tom Fitton and Boris exactly. Epstein instead of his exactly. attorneys, right? Exactly, yes. And so Donald Trump had the opportunity to cut a plea deal, to cut some sort of settlement. It wouldn't be a plea deal because there hadn't been charges yet, but to cut a settlement with DOJ to a- avoid an indictment in the first place. And he refused mm-hmm. to do that. Instead, what he did is he chose his bullshit alpha poser nonsense yes. over avoiding jail time. Over he chose he chose non-lawyer Tom Fitton over the yeah. counsel of a lawyer he had paid three million dollars to because he liked right, what right. the non-lawyer told him more. So what we get out of this is Hunter Biden smart <laughs> for entering a plea deal. Donald Trump idiot for refusing to even consider a settlement. And now here he is. Now Republicans are slowly starting to jump off of the Trump train. Thank God. Bob Seska, it is so good to see you. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with all your work and your Patreon and your many doings? Oh, yes. A brand new episode of Trek Politics with me and Mary Trump out right now. Uh, We talked to Jerry Ryan, the new captain of the Enterprise. That's right. I still can't believe that. You can find that at trekpolitics.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. Yeah. You're the best, man. Thank you so much for joining us, Bob. We got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with your calls. The party's just getting started, and I'm so glad you're here. This is Progress. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, I'm John saying This is SiriusXM Progress. We're taking your calls. Lab-grown chicken nuggets, guys. It's going to be coming soon to a restaurant and eventually a grocery store near you. Now, I think this is good news. I want to know what you think. Earlier today, the U.S. Department of Agriculture gave the green light to two companies that are trying to sell meat products that are grown from cultured cells in a lab. A more humane, sustainable alternative to animal products. It's real chicken meat, but no animal cruelty lab grown like if you cloned chicken meat but never actually cloned a chicken it's already been confirmed by the food and drug administration that the product is safe for consumption and no one's saying this is going to take over and get rid of actually you know slaughtering animals for meat overnight i mean most studies show that u.s consumers are a bit wary about artificial meat but that's the weird thing this is not 
artificial meat. Like I, I've tried every kind of fake chicken you can imagine. I live in a house with two vegetarians. I, fake chicken's great, whether it's wheat gluten or soy or whatever the hell you want to make. But this is this isn't fake meat. It's it's meat. It's real meat. They grew in a lab. Obviously, they're not going to be able to produce it like the existing meat industry can. It's just two companies, Upside Foods and Good Meat. They're going to start to serve their cuisine in very special restaurants. But I, I don't know. At first, I read this and I thought, wow, this is the beginning of the end of world hunger. This could be the end of world hunger. And then I realized, what am I talking about? We, we could end world hunger now with real chicken. We don't need fake synthetic chicken to do it. But would you guys eat it? Would you eat lab-grown, boneless chicken nugget meat if you knew that no animals were hurt? I, what does this mean for vegetarians who do it for animal rights reasons? It's going to be a very interesting economy for the next couple of years. And speaking of dead meat, we're still talking about John Durham as well. Let's get to the phones. Some of y'all been waiting for a very long time. Uh, Stephen in Kentucky. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you this evening? I'm lovely. How are you? I'm doing all right. How was your trip last week? Did you enjoy the rest Delightful. of it? Delightful. I enjoyed all the rest I got. I just went to L.A. for a week um, and, and just did the show in the studio, and it was great. It was great to actually do this show in their studios again and have comedians in, and uh, yeah, a lot of fun. Did you see Tina Turner, the musical? I did not get to see Tina Turner, the musical, while in L.A., but I hear it's terrific. Well, one of my friends is going over the weekend. He was mentioning that they had tickets for that, and he was very excited about it. I got to see uh, Tina Turner when she was alive. Does that count for anything? I got to see her sing, the real one. Well, of course. <laughs> well, okay. Of course it does. <laughs> well, John, I uh, this is a bit unusual, but I wanted to call tonight. You know how unusual I can be anyway. <laughs> Indeed, sir. Indeed. <laughs> um, you know, recently, I, one of the jobs that I tried out for was district director of my congressman's office. Oh. And uh, to be honest, you know... I get a note back, and they say, well, we're, we regret to inform you that it's too competitive. And I wrote back to them, and I said, excuse me, too competitive? I said, first of all, dear, I said, in an, an election race, it's supposed to be competitive. In okay. an office itself, it's supposed to be collaborative. Very when good. We have office, when we have comp competition in offices, we have people backstabbing one another. We have people mm -hmm. ripping each other's balls off behind the scenes. And uh, that's, what my, that's usually what our office scenarios are like with this show. Go on, please. Well, exactly. And the fact is, then they want to sit there. We have people like Donald Trump as a result of it, because too much toxic competition obviously is what happens when you can't admit that you lost an election after three fucking years. Right. And the fact is, let me tell you, and tell I, told this woman, I told this woman this, too. I said, excuse down. me, I said, I've run a home for nine years, a large home for nine years. Not mm -hmm. only that, my family has been acquainted with politicians. My family, my grandfather was dear friends with Congressman Mazzoli from Kentucky, okay. who represented our district for years. Very and good. as a matter of fact, not only that... I yes. electioneered for several candidates. I started electioneering when I was 11 years old for Michael So Dukakis. what did they say? What happened? What happened? Well, I'm, I just wrote this part of the letter. They didn't even allow me the, the uh, courtesy of saying the rest of this stuff. So I decided I was going to go ahead and write them again. I'm going to go ahead and write them and let them know this. And whether or not they hire me or not, who the hell cares at this point? At least I have my say. Because right the on. fact is, no, no wonder these we have all these corrupt 
people in Washington, D.C. And let me tell you something. If they got me in that office, let me tell you, they they would have a priceless jewel in their office. They would because the fact <laughs> I know. that well, they I tell you what, I would whip those people into shape. I certainly would. Stephen, I'm ready. For, I'm ready for you to have your own channel at SiriusXM. Uh, does this have anything to do with what's going on in the headlines today, though? Well, I, this just pissed me off. It did. I know a lot of people okay. probably feel the same way about Washington. It's just a reflection of Washington D.C. and the toxicity yes. in Washington. And I wanted to just add that. As far as uh, another thing, I wanted to talk about too. Yesterday on Michelangelo, and I adore Michelangelo. I think he's just me marvelous. Too. I do. Me too. But. Um, David from Washington, and I like David as well. I appreciate his kind words yesterday as well. But, you know, I wanted to set the record straight about something. You know, I have been crucified by some people for supporting Kennedy. You know, I just want to point out, you know... Which Kennedy are we talking about? Which Kennedy did you support? We're talking about RFK Jr. now. Support him for what? You know... Wait, wait, supporting him for what? Supporting him for president. President of what? President of the United States, RFK Jr. Robert Kennedy Jr. as above Joe Biden, Robert Kennedy Jr. to be president of the United States. Well, that's who I'm voting for in the primary. But I also stated publicly as well that if Biden gets the damn nomination, I'll vote for him. But I at the same time, what is it specifically? What is it specifically about Robert Kennedy and the issues he's fighting for that have made you decide that he is the candidate you should invest your time and energy with? What well, is the platform? I, I, want to be, I want to be clear. I'm somebody who has presence of mind. I'm not swayed by extremism at all. I understand I that. I'm asking you. So that's why I asked you, what, is, what are the policy what positions? What are the policy positions well, that make you prefer him to the incumbent? One of the positions I was going to talk about was environmental justice. He has a very wonderful record on the environment. He has stood up for the environment. And I tell you, this administration, when you just saw the damn haze happen last week in the air from Canada, this administration has been doing some good work, but they have not done enough. I will agree, but I don't blame this administration for the Canadian fires, right? Like, that's Canada. my, but what I'm saying is, this is okay. going on. We, they need to do more, and they're not doing Look, it's enough. It's legitimate. I, well, well, here's what I'll say. Joe, Joe Biden's done more for climate change than any president we've ever had, but there's a lot more he can do, and many progressives are really upset at all these, uh, all these drilling sites he's approving. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's I'm with you. I'm okay, saying. so in that I sense, do, in that sense it's great. But do, do you, 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 you got your shots for COVID, Stephen, right? I certainly did, but I, and we're not and, we're not losing three thousand people a day anymore to COVID, right? There's not like three thousand Americans dying every day anymore, and we know that the the people who didn't get the vaccine in the Trump counties were dying at a much higher rate than the people who did get the vaccine in the Biden counties, right? What I'm saying is, I didn't. I've stated very explicitly before on this program. I stated that I didn't agree with everything Kennedy stood for. But let's be very clear about something for a moment. All these okay. people who are for Biden. So you all sit there and approve of Merrick Garland and Christopher Ray sitting oh, on this me? information about Donald Trump for a whole no. fucking year. 
That's no. one of the problems that I have with this right now. And I'm sorry, he had his chance. And the fact is, Biden still has a chance to sit there. Do you understand? Do you, do you, under, do you understand? Have, have you seen the photos of Robert Kennedy with 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 Michael Flynn and Steve Bannon? Do you do you I know have. who he's hanging out with? Do you know that he's he's been embraced by the most disgusting sewers of Trump's alt right because they think he can be used to hurt Joe Biden? And that's why right wing people are donating to him. You know that, right? That's okay. Well, let me just be very clear if we're going to talk about that. What about the NRA supporting Bernie Sanders several years ago? I mean, are we going to go down that route? Because the fact I'm happy to go down there. Bernie Sanders got a D rating. He has a D plus rating from the NRA Uh because he he supports sports, uh, sports firearms for hunting in the state of Vermont. That's why he doesn't have an F. So, yeah, I'm I'm really happy to talk about it. Well, I happen to know in Kentucky, where I'm from, that he actually won both times the primary in 2016 and 2020, he did, against Clinton and against Biden in those two primaries. I happen to know he was very popular among that, and we have a lot of NRA influence here. My point is that I do, of course, I don't sit there and go along with Brexit and all of that, but what my point is, is that the fact, the fact is, that I don't agree with everything Kennedy stands for, but I sure as hell don't agree with everything Biden stands for. But if I don't agree with everything anyone stands for, for. I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I just, I just, Stephen, at, at, uh, you know, go for well, it. Let know, me know I'm how sorry. it works out for I, you. I'm sorry that doesn't please a lot of people. I don't give a damn about. It's all right. Listen, I'm. You're, listen, hey, Stephen. Stephen, I'm not in this world to live up to your expectations, and you're not in this world to live up to mine. I got nothing but love well, and respect you, for you. It seems like nowadays, everybody's sitting there having to do that. And I'm, well, I'm Stephen, it's, be- it's, it's because Robert Kennedy, Robert Kennedy's campaign helps Trump. Okay, that's the deal. It helps Trump or DeSantis, whoever the GOP nominee is. I like Robert Kennedy. He's been on this show. I've met him many times over the years. I have a lot of affection for him. He will never be the Democratic nominee. And the more people learn about him, the less popular his campaign would be. But I'm like, you you go ahead and support him all you want. I dig you. I think you're fabulous. I just uh, I, I think that well, as you learn more and as the campaign unfolds, um, you're, uh, you, I'm curious to see how your opinion of the campaign evolves. I like the man very much. Uh, Not everything about him. And of course, the more people learn about his past and his personal life and all that, we know what politics will do there. Um, I'm looking forward to a very spirited campaign. And I think if he can push Biden to the left more, that'll be a really good thing. That's what I I think it needs to happen. I don't think you'll be supporting RFK this time next year, my friend. I don't think you'll be supporting RFK this time next year. Well, I don't think he might even be in the race by this time next year. But the point is, I, that's one of the reasons why I'm supporting him, because I do think Biden needs to be pushed to the left a little bit when it comes to some of this stuff. Always. Because I, I, I'm sorry, especially even with the job situation. I heard yesterday that there's over 100 companies now. Macy's is one of them. And you have uh, Denny's even and several other companies that are very well known that are closing their doors at many of these places across the country. That's another thing that concerns yeah. me, because you know. I know. damn good well that Trump and the Republicans are going to try to milk this for all it's worth. They already sure. tried to ruin our economy over that thing recently, trying to mm-hmm. cause a economic depression. Who's to say that they won't exploit that? That's another thing that really bothers me about. I'm with you. I'm with you. But again, well. but think about a year ago. It was all about the supply issues and baby formula and gas prices. It was all about inflation. And now those numbers have all come down. It's changed. Well, they have. The policies have worked, and and you're hearing them talk about Hunter Biden all over again. They're going to beat this old man up with anything they can use. And I'll tell you, you find me someone better than the old man, and I'll be all over him. I'll support someone who's better than the old man anytime. I'm I'm not sure that our friend RFK Jr. is better than the old man. 
I don't hate Biden personally. I know you don't. I think no, he, I know you I don't. Think, I think he's a nice man. I appreciate some of what he's been through. I'm with you. He's, he's better than I expected him to be. I, I got to run, Stephen. You're a gentleman. Okay, Derek, Let's see how care. this evolves. It's it's going to be really, really fun, actually. I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Quick break. Back in John, two minutes. More of your... Yes, what, Chris? I don't like when dad and dad fight. That, was that a fight? Stephen, that was a love fest. Come on now. That was a love fest. <laughs> Listen, we got a front row seat to the Freak Show. I'm going to enjoy Robert Kennedy's campaign and not get flipped out about it because Steve Bannon is staking him. So we'll get flipped out about it. I'm not going to play ball. Quick break. We'll be right back. And yes, of course, I will have RFK Jr. back on the show anytime. Reverend Barry Lynn joins us right after this. Welcome back. Justice Samuel Alito actually wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, kind of a sloppy, rather hurriedly written op-ed that looks like a guy who's panicking, defending going on Alaskan fishing trips with another politically active Republican mega billionaire donor without ever telling us. But I don't know why he's so nervous, because we know about Clarence Thomas and we're not going to do anything about that. If you get a chance to read it, it's pretty wild. Uh, Alito seems to be sweating it, and it's fascinating to be. Hold. I'm John Fugel saying this is Sirius XM Progress. We're at 866-997-4748. We got so much to talk about. If you're on hold, we're definitely getting to your calls right now. Let me please bring in one of our good friends, Reverend Barry Lynn, an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ. He served as executive director for Americans United for the Separation of Church and State until his retirement a couple years back. You may have seen him over the years on PBS NewsHour, The Today Show, Nightline, 60 Minutes, even on The O'Reilly Factor. Reverend Barry has finally put out his memoir, Paid to Piss People Off, and it comes in three volumes, Peace, Porn, and Prayer. These three separate books, which together make one, like the Trinity, discuss how a few unexpected encounters with a carnival sideshow, an attractive anarchist, the Attorney General of the U.S., Bill O'Reilly, how it all changed his life. It's a great pleasure to welcome the great Reverend Barry Lynn back to SiriusXM. It is so nice to be back. Thank Glad you, Glad to be here. Thanks so much. Thank you. Sure. I, I, listen, I, I'm, I'm glad you're here because I need someone to help me understand what is going on with the Southern Baptist Convention. As a Catholic, <laughs> I've always thought, you know, the Baptists have their foibles, but at least they're not hung up about uh, people with penises not being allowed to, 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 to lead a church. I want to say mass. You, you sane people yeah, don't say mass. It's just Catholics. Um, no knob, no job. Right. That's the Vatican way. And now we actually see this incredible schism seemingly a real schism in the Southern Baptist Convention over the ordination of women so great that they are ready to kick out one of their most famous celebrity super pastors, the Purpose Driven Life's Pastor Rick Warren. It seems like the issue of believing that the Virgin Mary is not fit to lead a church congregation is really very strong right now with the Southern Baptists. It certainly is. And uh, some of the dissent a week ago when they took a vote to change the constitution of the Southern Baptist Convention, which is, by the way, the largest Protestant denomination in the United States. And about over two thirds of the people voted to change the constitution, specifically not to permit any ordination of women. Women cannot be ministers. And some of the people who voted against it were not voting in favor of it. They were just voting that they thought the doctrine of the Southern Baptist Convention was already clear enough that you couldn't have women leading. And then if you ask them, 
you know, twice in the last week, I was on shows about that book you just mentioned and people yeah. mentioned you and they said, you know, John Fuglesang's really good at arguing with these religious types. And of course you are. But remember, they have so many Bible quotes to take you and I apart. For example, mm, I don't think so. I don't okay, think. Go ahead. No, go okay, ahead. Well, I, I think. Well, okay. I, I think you and I are too sharp for these for these mooks. Okay. Go first ahead. Timothy. Got? First Timothy chapter uh-huh. two, verse twelve. Paul, first yes. great preacher, yeah, says, "I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man." Mm-hmm. So the Southern Baptists say, "Well, see, that's the point." If you're the pastor of a church, you're the leader of the church, Uh you can't do that because the Bible says you can't. Now, it doesn't say, and in fact, you really find this hard to rebut, Reverend? You don't find this one hard to rebut. Go ahead. But but if you said, oh, by the way, um, there's a lot of uh, uh, alternative quotations, then if if you or I come up with one, they come up with another one. Yeah, I know. Or. They make some other point about church history. They said, well, where, where's, a, where's a, dis, a disciple? Name one woman disciple. And you say, well, there aren't any. And then you and I know that there are plenty of gospels that were never admitted to the canon, the official collection of books that constitutes the Bible. And some of them were very woman positive. Yeah, you're overthinking it. I'm sorry, Reverend. There were three women that went everywhere with Jesus and the Twelve, Magdalene and Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus. But the men who wrote the Bible decided there weren't 15 apostles. There were 12 apostles and three groupies. (laughs) Jesus literally appears to the women. The women are the only ones who don't sell Jesus out, and he appears to them first when he comes back. None of these people follow Follow St. Paul, Reverend, because you know in no. Romans he commands you to submit to the governing authorities. So that means if there's a woman president, these Baptists have to follow Paul's admonition, but they already don't because they don't support Joe Biden, so they don't believe in Paul. They're of just course. using Paul to justify keeping women as second-class Absolute. citizens because well, we Jesus wasn't a misogynist douchebag and Paul kind of yep. was. How was that? Yes. Did I? Did I? Yeah, okay. that was very good for me, but. Okay. You know that they are going to say uh, that's all very interesting. But if those women were so important to Jesus, how comes they weren't mentioned? And then you say, as I would say, too, but men controlled them and they controlled yes. the narrative. And then but then they go, why aren't they? It, it is very difficult to argue Bible with people who claim they understand the Bible better than any of us. Uh, oh, don't get me wrong, Reverend. Yeah, I don't believe I don't believe in getting bogged down arguing nope. the Bible with fundamentalists and Pharisees and the, and these flock fleecers. Yeah. I believe in debating the Bible with them in front of people because you will never yeah. convince the cult members, but you will no. convince their kids. You'll convince their wives. You'll convince anybody listening to the argument because you go to you. You, you try walking around. You ask any of those men in front of their wives. Mm. Should your wife be forced to submit graciously unto you as your husband? That's what Paul commands. Find me. Uh, Find a woman dead enough inside, even among the Southern Baptists, to live like that. It doesn't hold up. They, they, They are counting on the fact that most people don't read the Bible. So they quote a lot of shit, much of it out of context, as you know, Reverend. And that's how they have their gish gallop air of authority. Yeah, they, um, then why why is it? 
But why is it then that so many women who, who are allowed to serve in other capacities of leadership in the church, just not be a minister, not be the pastor, a lot of them come as so-called messengers to these conventions. They do vote and they vote the same way that their husbands do. This is a little bit like the concern. I, I remember yeah, speaking the same way the they were raised, majority. the same yeah. way the patriarchy raised them to uphold the patriarchy. Right? You're Absolutely. shocked that women are Stockholm syndrome enough to do that. I remember speaking at the Feminist Majority Conference and the NOW Convention during the Hillary-Donald Trump debate. So many people, these are serious feminist thinkers, came up to me and said, you know, there's a secret here. It's that all these women who are going to vote for Hillary and not tell their husband. Yeah. Well, you know, that just didn't work out. I, I think you perhaps have too, too positive a view of the capacity of women in these traditional patriarchal systems that we have, that they're going to suddenly wake up and go, you know, I, I've been wrong for 40 years. My husband's not that great. Uh, I don't know. I don't no, I see it. it. I love I to get see it. it. Look, I get it. We, it. we we talk about, you know, black and Latino racists. We talk about women yep. misogynists. But in, in the case of both the Catholics and the Southern Baptists, when it mm -hmm. comes to women more and more, Reverend, I keep thinking, you know, the church is going to need the women more than the women are going to need the church. It could well be. I mean, look, in the United Church of Christ, I mean, the church we go to up here in Massachusetts has an entirely woman led series of ministers, three ministers, all of them women. And it's a very comfortable place and it um, doesn't bother me at, in the least, but I think it does bother. I think if you took the average Southern Baptist Convention participant, a messenger as they're called, they're not right. called delegates. Right. Take, I'd take them to church with me up here and I think they would be so uncomfortable that they would never want to think about the issue again they just say there's nothing but women talking to women we don't want to hear that and i have a feeling that would they, they it wouldn't bother them to the point of changing their mind and i'm not even sure it would bother them psychologically you know what but anyway really, I, could be let, i don't know let them enjoy all the comparisons <laughs> to the taliban they're earning yep. right i mean that absolutely Absolutely. Reverend, we have, now, I want to, I, I want to go to yeah. the phones really quick. Sure. If you don't mind, because we have a lot of people want to weigh Absolutely. in, including one of our favorite guests, uh, Reverend Sandy, who joins us from okay. Los Angeles. Reverend Sandy, Hello. welcome. You're on with, uh, wow, it's, I got two reverends and here I am as the heretic. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You know, I had to call in. Um, you probably could have bet money and you would have won, but I would call in on this. Um, as a female reverend myself, um, and a Methodist, which, you know, we're pretty, um, pretty okay with women pastors, women reverends. Um, you apostate. We, uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I want to say that um, Mary Magdalene was the first one with the good news, and the, and the angel told her, the heavenly messenger told her, mm -hmm. go tell the disciples. That's right. So she's the first one with the words in her mouth about the resurrection. And well, Jesus appears I, I, to the women first. He appears to the women first, and the women were there at the last, while the men were, you know, I mean, I would be scared of crucifixion myself, so I'm not blaming them, but 
Um, the women were there all the way till the end, and they were there at the resurrection. And um, so, the, so the gospel first was entrusted to the women. If you are Christian, you think that. Maybe not everybody thinks that, but that's all right. right. Um, sure. But the but the uh, Southern Baptist Convention has had years of gaslighting and cover-ups around the abuse and sexual assault on the part of the pastors. So, Boom. Uh, yeah. The male pastors and the leaders, those at the top of the church. So I just think this whole, like, no women in the church, no women in church leadership thing smacks of patriarchy. And it's just horrifying to me that um, once women come in to the leadership fold, it's easier for people to um, to talk about sex abuse. It's easier for people yes. to talk about things happening. And it's just the fact. Um, so I just think that it's really important for us to remember that, you know, they have their Bible verses, but they don't really like um, women in power no matter what. Correct. And there's plenty of women in the Bible who are in power. And, I, you know, it's not time for Bible study, but... But I just will leave sure. it at that, that in the Old Testament and the New, there well, are many, many women who are leaders. In of this course. Re- Reverend Sandy, I'm going to command they, that you submit are. to Reverend Barry now as a woman <laughs> and let him respond. Uh, and, and hold your silence as St. Paul commands yeah, yeah, you, because yeah. Reverend uh, Sandy, we're all Paulists around here. <laughs> Reverend Sandy, that's terrific. And I think most of the mainline denominations have really moved forward a great deal. Mm-hmm. Just in the time that I've been in the ministry for 40 years, and, and women are... A, acquiring the power they always should have been given. And it's been difficult and it works perfectly. But if you go, I used to talk to the uh, conventions of the sex abuse survivors of priests. This is, but what you just mentioned, the Southern Baptist Convention has a tragic record of the way that it deals with sexual abuse of women in the church. And it's right. going to take them longer, I'm afraid, to come to terms with it than the Catholic Church, which barely has come to terms with it now and so frequently sends the priests that are abusers out Correct. of the United States and into South America or Africa. Yeah, that's horrible, too. What's wrong with these Southern Baptists? You're all homophobic and against the trans kids, and you want to put women in jail for abortion, and you're not going to let women ever have positions of authority, and you're covering up sex abuse? You guys are almost Catholic. You guys are almost Catholic. Catholic. (laughs) Pull back. Pull back. And Rick Warren, by the way. Rick Warren, he's a lefty now. I got to deal with with purpose-driven life guys. He's the radical now. Yes, he's... he's, He's homophobic. He's homophobic. He wants to put women in jail for abortion. What's wrong with him? Of course. Of course. (laughs) No, but when he is the model of what good Baptists are, we're in a lot of trouble. (laughs) A lot of trouble. Reverend Reverend Sandy? Yes. Do you want to, do you want to, you you want to, you want to add on one, one, uh, a bit more? A bit more. I would like to say that on Twitter, I get all the time people telling me I'm not a reverend, like there are no such thing as women reverend. And I just say, well, here I am in the flesh. I'm a reverend and I'm a woman and I serve a church and people call me reverend and I pray for them and I baptize them and I preach to them. And we do good work in the community for social justice and anti-poverty. And uh, I think that's what Jesus wants us to do. So I would also yes. say that Mary Magdalene is an apostle. She's not called yes. one, but she's certainly yes. is an apostle. 
That's and what I say. Certainly, all along the way, she's with those guys. And if you there are fifteen apostles, fifteen apostles. There's a lot of different names for apostles that don't quite add up to twelve. So exactly, <laughs> Reverend Sandy. Thank you so so much for thank calling. It's always so good much. to hear from thank you. Thank you, Reverend yeah. Barry. Yes. Thank you. So, I mean, Thank Barry, you. I, I, hey, I got to say, like, go ahead, please. No, I mean, but it gets worse because when you turn from the religion to the law, the Supreme Court of the United States, when people said in talking about this over the last week, well, well can't they sue? And you can't sue because the Supreme Court of the United States has created this thing called a ministerial exception to the civil rights laws. It started out with just uh, allowing a conservative Lutheran school to fire a woman because she had narcolepsy. And she said, look, that's a disease. I, I have a rights under the Americans with Disabilities Act. I want to go to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And uh, the court said, no, you don't get to do that because the church has defined you as a minister and therefore there are no civil rights laws that apply to you. And then it got even worse just a year ago when a couple of teachers who were, uh, they had marginal connections to any kind of religious activity at their schools. and. Seven of the justices said, no, building on that idea that if they call you a minister, uh, you don't get to go to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, much less into federal court. Now, you don't we don't have to call you a minister if they kind of treat you like one. You're mm. on your own. And of course, the ministerial exemption, which doesn't exist in the civil rights laws, was all created by the courts over the years. Yeah. Now they're going to go. Yep, forget it. They're not. They're not going to let any woman who doesn't get a job in the Southern Baptist Convention get into the Equal Employment Opportunity uh, Commission or the federal courts. Amazing. I mean, and, yeah. and again, how many women had fathers with monsters that they're so dead inside they're <laughs> supporting this? Reverend, I want. I'm going to ask you to put on your lawyer's sure. hat in a second, but first sure. let me get one more call on this. Sure. Uh, let's say hello to Rich in Indiana. Rich, thank you for your patience on hold. You're on with Reverend Barry Lynn. Hey, Reverend. Hey, John. Thank you. Hi. Um, Thank you. I'd ask you both for your perspective on history, because what I remember uh, about the the Roman Empire, and it's the Roman Empire that's really been working the mind control uh, over the church for, you know, like like a millennia. And um, so way back when, it's like uh, Constantine pulls the church together and says, okay, this is our doctrine. And then mm-hmm. within 80 years, I think there's like this first synod. And at that point, they pluck out all of the books that were authored by females. And yeah. uh, there was something about women not being permitted to own property and then pass on property, like with a will, as this distinction that they decided to latch on to in the church. Because if a woman was a reverend, then there was all this property associated with being mm-hmm. a reverend that she would then have control of to pass it forward to whomever she wished. And, you know, God forbid, she'd give it to her daughters. And uh, so it was like this control act. Can you tell me what that was called? Because I remember that it literally had a name, and they cited it, and they said, this is why we're not letting women be priests, because they'll pull this stuff on us. 
and this is way too complicated. We don't want that happening. You're going to water down our ability to run this show. Yeah. Can you tell me what I remember with more detail with with titles of things? Yeah. You know, I I can I speak don't to the remember. Catholic angle on this, but go, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but I there. I don't know in the Protestant uh, everything you just described is accurate, but I don't know that it's been given a a, call, a, a title. I I'm not sure what you're looking for. Okay, I, but you're absolutely right. That, that is one of the principal reasons. Like they, they they called this this action of uh, being able to have and, and and it's not specific to women. I'm thinking in, in my recollection. Now you're giving me pause to be able to uh, uh, add a little detail. It's just this concept of owning property, being able yeah. to say, who's going to get it when you're gone? Yeah. And the church saying, we're not cool with that because you're well, you're literally going to undermine our authority. In the Catholic Church, priests could marry for over a thousand years. Popes could marry. The first pope, St. Peter, was married. Okay. And in 1139 AD, under Pope Innocent II, the church didn't want all these priests leaving all this land and wealth they had accrued to their children. The booty had to come back to the Holy Roman Empire. So in 1139 AD, Pope Innocent II made celibacy the law for all priests, not because oh. Jesus was a bachelor, not because sex was dirty, but because the church was greedy. All Da Vinci Code shit. Got it. Got it. Yeah. 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 Good times, man. So well said. Da Vinci Code shit. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for the call, man. I, I really do appreciate it. Barry, I mean, any more thoughts on that before I tug on your coat about something else? No, let's 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 move on. You're also a let's lawyer, Reverend, and I wanted I to am. ask you about some of the legal arguments we're hearing right now for the Mar-a-Lago documents case. Because I know yes. you have thoughts on this. They're they're trying to actually we talked about it last night a lot, how because Donald Trump lied to his own lawyer and that lawyer's notes wound up in Jack Smith's hands, and now lawyer Evan Corcoran had to testify to the grand jury. They're, they're trying to say that's a violation of attorney-client privilege after Trump <laughs> broke the law. They're throwing anything at the wall, including Trump is confessing that he took the documents all over the place. I've never seen so many smoking no. guns handed to a prosecutor. Yeah, the the good news is there are a lot of, uh, a lot of good lawyers who believe that this attorney-client privilege does not cover the facts that you just described. If somebody, if one of his attorneys who has now decided to uh, chat about it uh, and presumably will appear in court to talk about it, that this idea that Evan Corcoran has some kind of a privilege forever for the things that he said, uh, that too, that is not an established principle of law, much as one would like to think so. <laughs> and here is what one of his lawyers said the other day on television. He said, well, this, this privilege doesn't exist because what if Donald Trump just said, as he did say, we think, I read about where Hillary Clinton got a subpoena and David Kendall, who was one of her lawyers, deleted 33,000 emails. Yeah. Are we allowed to do the same thing because they didn't get into any trouble? That's the question. If that's, that's the strongest statement they have, though, there are going to be jurors who are going to listen to the lawyers for Trump when he finally gets them. And, and they're going to say, well, you know, I mean, he was just asking a question. It's like if you go to a lawyer and you say... I got this uh, 
award and it's worth a thousand dollars do i have to report it on the taxes asking the question they will say is not a crime but that's not the worst of them they're now talking about things like going into court and making the argument that because other people did things just the same that means Trump can't be successfully prosecuted. It's like he, literally like it's like if a bank robber tries yeah, to cite yeah. another bank robber in his right. trial as precedent. Exactly. Or when you go to traffic court and they say you're going 50 in a 30 mile an hour zone, you go, uh, I might have been. But I saw somebody going passing me. They were going even faster. How can you blame me? This this is this barely makes sense on a talk show. It makes no sense, and it's never going to be allowed into a court of law. When this goes to trial, a decent judge would throw all that stuff out. Do you think this will go to trial, Reverend? I do think it'll go to trial. I think that given the trial judge that was selected at random, and I do believe it was at random. I know there's a kind of conspiracy that says it wasn't. But here's a woman who had virtually no experience. She was appointed by Trump. She's the woman who uh, notoriously made some rulings about a special master evaluating some of the documents. And that was overturned by the 11th Circuit, a panel of three of the most conservative also Republican appointees right. in the 11th Circuit. So she doesn't have a lot of background in this, but she's going to make plenty of other rulings. And I think she's going to make rulings that are going to be more substantive than the one she made a few days ago, where she said, I'm going to strictly adhere to a federal law called the Speedy Trial Act, That's which right. requires that a certain number of days you are entitled under the Constitution, to an actual trial. The Speedy Trial Act is almost never enforced. It's it's almost a dead letter. And the fact that she's saying, I'm really going to go and get this done quickly, good luck with that. That is never going to happen. Do you believe, Reverend, and again, this year, Donald Trump yep. already paid over a million in fines for yep. the Trump Organization corruption. He's been found liable by a jury of sexual abuse of Eugene Carroll. He's indicted and going on trial in New York. He's indicted and going on trial federally. He's probably going to be indicted in the month of August by the state of Georgia. Do you think he'll be the GOP nominee? Yes, I do. I do think he will be because evangelicals have this other strange idea. And it is that if, in fact, you and I were on Joy Reid's show the last time I was on MSNBC, and it mm-hmm. was the day that uh, uh, Trump was going to Falwell's Liberty University That's right. again we for the second together. time. And yeah. it was like, well, why don't why do they give him the benefit of the doubt? He's, he's obviously a sinful person. And I remember saying the only thing they care about is the Supreme Court of the United States. They want to mess around with the right to an abortion. And I didn't say they're going to overturn Roe versus Wade because I frankly never thought they would do it so directly, but they would nibble at it and that that is worth more than any manifold number of sins of the flesh that Donald yeah. Trump may have done. And, and you know, they got Bible authority for that, too. And they go back. You want to know about the history they go back to Cyrus, who was a Zoroastrian. Always, always Cyrus. Always Cyrus. Always. But he, oh, God picks he flawed vessels. Him. God picks flawed vessels, <laughs> flawed Reverend. Vessels. Yep. 
But, but then, it but is then true. What? He was a Zoroastrian. He did free from the Babylonian captivity all of the Jews. He never said one good thing about the God to which they prayed, but they don't care. They, they tell care. the story. The they flawed vessel. But my, my, whenever I hear that flawed vessel crap about King <laughs> yeah, Cyrus, I, I just say back to all of them. I say it all. I say, well, okay, let's talk about Jesus, Christian. Tell me one Christ teaching from those four books he shows up in the Bible. One thing Christ says that guided your vote. One thing Christ said that Donald yeah. Trump has fought for. One thing the Republican Party's fought yeah. for in the last 30 years. And that's how you find out how evangelicals have not read the Bible. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you and I talk a lot about the death penalty. I remember being uh, part of this group of theologians under Hitler, which was yes. an effort to show that not only the Catholics give in to Hitler, but the Protestant church in large measure did as well. And I remember a debate, the head of the Southern Baptist Convention at the time uh, and the head of the National Council of Churches, Bob Edgar, Bob says something about the death penalty using that, let he use perfect cast the first stone. The Southern Baptist Convention president at the time looks at all of us and says, you're supposed to respect authority. Yeah. So that if the authority says you can execute someone, that trumps the act of Jesus in telling people, don't stone that prostitute. <laughs> they always go over God's they, head. They, they always they go over always God's go over head God. to find they do, something they, they like do. better. Always. <laughs> they do. Reverend Barry but, Lynn, go ahead. I'll give you the last word. No, it's. Um, I do think that the best thing that can happen is for more and more evangelical, so-called evangelical Republicans to get into the race to nibble away at the support. Over 50% of evangelicals in the last poll they did on one question, do you believe that Donald Trump was chosen by God? 50 plus percent say yes. And so Mike Pence, nobody wants to ever argue about that. And all I can think of watching television in the last couple of weeks, I don't know if you saw the Anderson Cooper interview with Chris Christie. Now, people like you and I know Chris Christie is a very flawed man, but I want to tell you, if you didn't know much about him and you watched that one oh, hour, you go, he sounded pretty much like a, you know, a normal Republican. He yeah. works with Democrats. That's who worries me the most. I don't think he's going to get the nomination because I do think Trump will survive all of this yeah. and be the nomination. Let's hope so. Reverend Barry Lynn's new memoir is called <laughs> Paid to Piss People Off. It comes in three volumes, Peace, Porn, and Prayer. Get them all and follow the Reverend at Barry W. Lynn on the Twitter. Reverend, thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you. Thank you.